Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, Ketchup. A series of true stories of the unceasing search for enemy spies in water. Based on the memoirs of Lieutenant Colonel Oreste Pinto of the Allied Counterintelligence Service. This week's story is entitled Louis. The part of Colonel Pinto is played by Bernard Archer. The case of Louis Sangueren was one of the most puzzling spy cases of the war. By the way, that's not her true name and you'll understand why later. But the story is true. She was an astonishingly beautiful girl who had been a member of the Dutch Resistance, and she'd been captured by the Gestapo. The story began at a German military court in Holland in the winter of 1940. Fräulein van Geer. These drawings of German airfields were found at the lodgings of the accused Jan Hornow. You are accused jointly with him, but it is said that you are in love with him, and it is the view of the court that you are shielding him. I am not. There is no need to shield him. He is innocent. I made the drawings. I left them at his lodging that night. The night he was arrested? Yes. That night you were also arrested? Yes. Fräulein, is it in your mind? that if Pornum is found guilty of making these drawings, he will be executed. But if a girl is found guilty, she will be less severely treated. Is that in your mind? That is not in my mind. I made the drawings. I left them at his lodgings. He knew nothing about them. Why did you make these drawings? Because I want the RAF to bomb your airfield. That's why. Fräulein van Geren. On your own admissions, this court has no alternative but to find you guilty of the charge. You have been warned that on this charge, no leniency can be shown to one person as against another. The sentence of this court is death. Sangeren was taken to the condemned cell at Scaveningen Jail. The Nazis were reluctant in 1940 to execute a girl, but she refused to recant. After six weeks in the condemned cell, the sentence was commuted to 15 years forced labor, and she was sent to Germany in the custody of a Gestapo officer named La. La was a young officer, and perhaps he was influenced by her beauty. Fräulein Luise, why don't you listen to me? I'm trying to advise you for your own good. Why won't you see sense? Fifteen years is a very long time. I will see it through. I'm advising you seriously, Fräulein. You may not see through. Try to show some interest in National Socialism. 
and your life may be made tolerable, even comfortable. Ask for some books from the prison library. Read them. Try to show some interest. Otherwise, your life will be very difficult. For the first three months in the forced labor camp, she was uncooperative. She also attempted sabotage, and she was severely punished. She was put to working with acids which burned her skin and affected her eyesight. She was only 19. It was then that she took Lars' advice and asked for books from the camp library. She studied National Socialism and she discussed it with the prison staff. She was an intelligent girl. She impressed them. And when she'd been doing forced labor for only two years, it was decided that she was a convert and she was returned to Holland and induced to attend the Zorgfried, the German spy school, at The Hague. She proved to be one of their most brilliant students, but her conversion to National Socialism, even at this time, was the subject of disagreement between two leading German experts on security, Herr Schrader, responsible for the selection of students, and Herr Knoller, head of the German espionage bureau. We assure Herr Knolle that we have screened her thoroughly, and we are satisfied that she's with us. She can be very useful to him. I will take a report to him, but Herr Knolle is sure to ask of this change of heart of hers, who benefits? And the answer will be that she does, and no one else. What was the sentence? Fifteen years? That was two years ago. The commandant at the camp believes that she was influenced by a reading of your books. Did you see her in court? We have seen her since her imprisonment, which is more to the point. And Herr Schreider has seen her himself and has signed this report. The record suggests that she is unreliable. She should be returned to the labor camp. She should not. You will take this report to Herr Knolle. Very well. I will take it. The captured documents also showed that Herr Schreider was senior to Knolle and the report was accepted. Louise continued her training as a spy and saboteur. Two years later, after the fall of Rome, I came into the story, and the initial disagreement between the two leading German experts on security was repeated in my headquarters in London, when Allied intelligence also disagreed over the loyalties of Louise and Vera. She was apparently quite honest with us, Colonel. We'd just occupied Rome, just got there, hardly had time to find a suitable headquarters when she presented herself. Was this on the first day? Yes. She said she'd volunteered to work for the Germans and to be left behind in Rome as an agent. She'd brought her radio set with her. She handed it over and said she had no intention of working for the Germans. She also gave us her code books. And then? And then she offered to work for us. This was her only radio set? Mm-hmm. We thought of that. Yes. It wasn't in very good condition, but it was her only radio set. Well, we held her for interrogation. She answered all our questions quickly, and we thought honestly. And during the interrogation, she offered to send false messages to the Germans. To her own chief? Yes. We accepted the offer, and over the next few weeks, we gave her five false messages to send. We also put one of our experts on to listen. She sent four of the messages perfectly, but in one, she inserted the letter Z twice into the message. Hmm. And there's no doubt about this. We have no doubts. You think she was warning them? Or telling them something? At first, she denied it. 
Then, she said, if she had made a mistake, it was a genuine mistake. She said it was the first time she'd used the set. She put up a good argument, but we're 99% convinced that she tried to be a double agent. And that she's a German spy? Yes. But we'd like you to interrogate her in her own language and make a report. Hmm. Where is she? We brought her over. She's in Holloway Prison. Well, when can I see her? Anytime you like. And be careful, Colonel. She's very charming. Quite a poppet. <laughs> well, it's over to you. Oh, I'll see her tomorrow. Right. Good morning. Good morning. You are Louise Van Garen? Yes. Thank you, Mason. Uh, I've come to ask you some questions. Shall we sit down? I understand that you've been brought from Rome and that you're held here on suspicion of being a German spy. Yes. And I've been asked by the British authorities to interrogate you. You smoke? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, can we begin with what happened in Rome? Yes. It was on June 4th, the day the British entered Rome. I had been left behind as a German agent. I went immediately to the British and told them I had no intention of working for the Germans, that I had volunteered. When did you make this decision to give yourself up? After you had been left behind? It was never my intention to work for the Germans. I made up my mind in Holland on the day I was offered the mission. Who was your chief in Rome? Colonel Huffman. Mm, what was his full name? Carl. He was Lieutenant Colonel Carl Huffman. And how long were you in Rome before the Germans withdrew? Four months. When you presented yourself to the British, you offered to send false messages to the Germans, to Colonel Huffman. Yes. And what happened? I was given five messages to send. I sent three messages under supervision of one instructor, who said I had sent them perfectly. The next two messages were under the supervision of another instructor, who said I put a code into the fourth message. It wasn't true. You know that inserting a letter into a message is the accepted way of telling the receiver that you're under duress, that it's a false message. Well, of course I do. I was trained at the Zorgfleet. But why should I do such a thing when I know that an expert is listening to me? The first three messages were sent perfectly. The supervisor said so. It was the new man who said I put a code in. And I sent the fifth perfectly. He didn't report on the fourth until I had sent the next message. If he suspected me, why did he let me send another message? I don't know. Do you? I told them that if he was right, then I had made a genuine mistake in that one message. I hadn't used the set before. Any operator will tell you that it takes practice to become familiar with the set. But you can give us no proof that you'd never used that set before. They had my codes. There is no such thing in them as this letter Z. Well, how do we know that these were all your codes? If it's like that, what what do I do? Mm, it's a dangerous game, isn't it? I know. I've been charged as a spy before. I was sentenced to death. I'm not afraid of that. Tell me, when you were tried by the Germans in 1940 and said that you'd made these sketches, had you made them? No, my friend Jan made them. But it was no use. They didn't believe me. They shot Jan while I was in prison. Were you in love with Jan? Yes. And they shot him. Then what caused your change of heart? Why did you begin to cooperate with the Germans? I didn't cooperate. 
I have never had reason to like them. When I was in prison, my mother came each day in the winter to see me. They made her stand outside the prison all day in the snow, but she never saw me. And when they shot Jan, they sent me to a labor camp. When I was uncooperative, they punished me. How uncooperative were you? I helped a prisoner to escape, and once I damaged a large machine. After each punishment, I got a worse job. I finished up in a cellulose factory. They protected my eyes, my skin came off my hands, I had sores on my body. I'd only served three months, and I was sentenced to 15 years. I knew I wouldn't live for long in that factory, so I pretended to cooperate. I asked to read Mein Kampf. It was foolish stuff, but easy to follow. Soon I could argue about it better than some of the prison staff. I got a better job, and I got better food. After a year of this, they thought I had repented, and they said I could now be sent back to Holland. But they sent you back to Holland to attend the spy school. Yes, the Zorgfleet. It was one way to escape. Well, I can understand the staff of the labor camp being fooled by your pretense. But trained interrogators at a spy school are people of a different kind. We now have their reports on you. They were satisfied that you had accepted the Nazi principle. What proof can you offer that you had not? There were two Dutch boys at the school. They were both good members of the resistance, who had also volunteered for the spy school under pretense of learning German methods. We started a cell inside the school. We pledged that we would always fight against the Germans, and that on the third Sunday after the liberation, we would meet in Bois-le-Duc and celebrate together. Can you give me their name? Dirk Waal and Jan Kramer. Both are from Amsterdam. Thank you. What kind of training did you have at the Zogmeet? A radio course, transmitting, coding, care of the set, weapons training, uh, recognition of allied units and material, how to be a German spy. This trip to Rome was your first job? Yes. When did they send you to Rome? In February, two months after I'd finished my training. And what happened when you arrived? Did you work for Colonel Hoffman? I was assigned to work under him. He arranged that I should live as a civilian. I was to settle in, make friends among the Italians, and to stay behind if Rome had to be evacuated. He found a villa for me and provided a staff. In your statement to British intelligence in Rome, you told them of an affair with this Colonel Hoffman. Yes. Were you in love with him? He was very kind to me. I, I liked him very much. Were you in love with him? I, I don't know. I really don't. It, it's possible. I know that I liked him very much. Do you think that it is possible to hate the Germans and to fall in love with one of them? It was one man. He was very kind to me. I don't know that I was in love with him. Then do you think it's possible to hate the Germans, but to have an affair with one of them? He doesn't support the story that your one wish was to desert him and join the British. But the British were not far away. I insisted on staying. It was my plan. And I went to the British as soon as they arrived. You must have known that this affair would make you suspect to the British. Why did you confess it when you made your statement? I told them the truth. Everything. There was nothing to hide. Or was it because you knew that they'd find out? When your household staff had stayed behind, they knew. Some of your Italian friends must have known. It was only a matter of time. The Italians are considerable gossips. I know they are gossips. 
So why would I stay behind if I intended to spy for the Germans? In your statement to the British, you told of another affair with a German, an instructor at the spy school. That was brief. That was nothing. It meant nothing at all. Perhaps not. But again, it does little to convince us that you hated the Germans and wanted to be free of them. Or do you suggest that it was part of your effort to convince them that you were converted? It had nothing to do with that. It was against all the rules. They were very strict at this office. For two years, I had to pretend to work with the Germans. It was not easy. Sometimes there was great stress. Perhaps one explains the other. I don't know. But I do not like the Germans. You like Colonel Hoffman? Yes. The British believe that you warned him. I have made a full statement. I interrogated Louise Van Garen for several hours, and then I determined to find the two resistance men whom she claimed to have known at the spy school. They had survived the war and were in Amsterdam. Palmer, you remember her at the spy school. What was your opinion of her? As a student? Oh, as a patriot, as a loyal Dutchwoman. Oh, she was genuine. There's no doubt of that, have we, then? No, if she had not been loyal, she would have turned us in. We had formed a cell, and we met to talk about what we would do when the training was over. How often did you meet? Oh, not often. Mostly at weapons training. Whenever we had the chance, we would stand aside and talk. Did you know that she became friendly with one of the German instructors? Yes. And did you trust her after that? It meant nothing. Just one of those things. You're satisfied it meant nothing. If she had been against us, she could have turned us in. She knew why we were there. Hmm. The three of you arranged to meet after the liberation. Yes, on the third Sunday after the liberation. Uh, we were to meet at Boyle Duke and celebrate together. I see. Thank you. The two resistance men, Jan Kramer and Dirk Wahl, were convinced that she was a patriot. But they had not seen her since she left the spy school. British intelligence had good reason to doubt her loyalties, but they had thrown the onus of proof onto me. I interrogated Louise four times, but she stuck to her story and to her argument. And I decided to see the British intelligence officer again. While at work at we're prepared to believe that she was loyal, or intended to be loyal, until she reached Rome. But there's something about Rome. I saw it. Soft life, lots of sun, lots of fun. <laughs> it's easy to be a rebel when things are tough. Not so easy when people are friendly and life is good. Rome's a city for beautiful women. How hard did she fall for this charming colonel? Did it change her? We think it did. All right. Let's suppose the worst, that she was prepared to work for him. Why should she report immediately to your people in Rome? She risked immediate arrest. She hoped to be a double agent. Or she lost her nerve when she saw the strength of the force that went through Rome. No, she's not the type to lose her nerve. I agree. That leaves the double agent. In favor of that one, she asks to be allowed to send messages to her charming colonel and inserts a code to tell him that the ruse has worked. Then let's consider the code and the colonel together. Now, he was her chief. She was sending the message to him. We are presuming that she had to warn him and that she did. Wouldn't she have warned him in the first message, or at the latest in the second? 
Why send him three false messages before she warns him? When she's in love with him? Yes, that's a good point. Well, what's your own feeling? Well, I've seen her now four times. We've gone over her story four times. I've spoken to men who knew her in Holland. And she's always been an adventurous type, living on her nerves. At 19, she was in the resistance, working with a brother. Then there was the arrest, sentence of death, the forced labor camp, the danger of getting through the spy school, four years of hardship and constant danger. And then, quite suddenly, this soft life in Rome. Yes. The quiet before the final escape. Four months of it, just waiting. I don't think the affair meant anything. I think she's genuine. It can still be argued both ways. Yes, but if you want my opinion, that is it. Well, I look forward to your report. I made my report on Louise van Garen, and it was accepted, with reservations. I then went to see her at Holloway Prison. Miss Van Garen, I have news for you. Yes? It's good news. The British authorities have accepted my report, and you're to be released. Thank you. Am I free now? Now, when you're released, you're to go immediately to Holland. Under escort? Yes. They don't believe me. They have accepted my report, and I believe you. Oh, thank you. I'm very grateful. Where, when will I be going home? Well, I've suggested that you're released in three days' time. I'm returning to Holland then. I've some business in Amsterdam. I'll take you home, and I'll see that you're issued with the papers that will clear you. <laughs> it's very important at the moment, and I'll see that it's done. Oh, thank you. I'll have time to buy new clothes. I'll need them for, for going home. Mm. Until Thursday, then. I'm very grateful. I collected Louise from prison and escorted her to Holland. When we arrived in Amsterdam and set out for her home, I thought that her trials were over. But they had just begun. She showed a lively interest in all the changes that the war had brought, bomb damage, the wrecked tanks. And as we approached her home, she became excited. Uh, our house should be just behind the trees. Oh, there it is. Thank God it's still there. I think we should stop here. It's been a long time. I'll go and prepare the way. Wait. Let me look at it. It's four years since they took me away. It hasn't changed. All right. Go now. Please don't be long. Tell my mother that... No, no, no. Go now. It was a big, solid house, and I'd parked the car near the entrance to the drive. I went to the front door and rang the bell. Yes, sir? Mrs. Van Geren? No, sir. I'm the housekeeper. Oh, um, may I speak to Mrs. Van Geren, please? I'm afraid you can't, sir. Well, why not? Well, sir, she died more than four years ago. Oh. Um, what did she die of, please? Was it the German? We think so. Her daughter was imprisoned by the Germans in 1940. It was a bad winter. Her mama went each day to stand by the prison and try to see her. All this standing was not good for her. It was very cold. When the Bosch took Miss Louise away to Germany, 
Her mama was ill and died. Well, there's a brother, John. Is he at home? No one knows where he is, sir. Many would like to know. Why? Well, since the liberation, sir, the police have found that he was a traitor. He betrayed the resistance. He betrayed his own sister and all her friends. Her father? Can you tell me where I can find him? That is even worse, sir. He is in prison. Why? We think he did it to help Miss Louise when they said they would kill her. But he was friendly with the Germans, and so was Miss Louise. Miss Louise was not friendly with the Germans. Um, is there any other member of the family? Miss Elsie, sir. She's out at present. Do you want her? Yes. Yes, I'd like to see her. I brought her sister back. Miss Louise? Yes. Oh, oh no. No, sir. Miss Elsie won't like that. You can't hurt her, please. You must take Miss Louise away. What do you mean? Everyone knows Miss Louise was bad, sir. Everyone in the town knows she went to the Germans. It's been terrible for Miss Elsie, with people pointing at her. Her father, sister, and brother, dirty traitors. But Miss Elsie was good. Miss Elsie and Mama were good. These stories about Miss Louise are not true. Do you understand? They're not true. No, sir. I'm the officer in charge of such cases in Holland. I'm from the Bureau of National Security. I'm here to tell you that Miss Louise did not go to the Germans. She was always a patriot. You believe me? Yes, sir. But the people won't believe it. They won't believe. Where is Miss Louise? She's waiting in my car. I brought her home. Oh, no, sir. Please take her away. She's no friend here. Her mama is dead. There is no one left who will believe her. Please take her away. I returned to my car and told her the story. Her mother was dead. Her brother had betrayed her. Her father was in prison. There was no one to believe her. I was convinced of her innocence. But in a case like this, there must always be doubt. Espionage, for whatever reason, with whatever intention, must always be a dangerous and lonely game. You've been listening to Spy Catcher with Bernard Archard as Colonel Areste Pinto. The script was written by Robert Barr and the program produced for the BBC by Charles Maxwell. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.